You're listening to a sermon from Trinity City. We're an evangelical church in Adelaide, South Australia, the city of churches. We'd love for you to join us any Sunday. Find out more at trinitycity.church. The first passage we're going to look at today is from Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 to 14. If you're reading from the Bibles in front of you on the pews, you'll find that on page 197. Let's pray. Dear Father, please would you open your word to our hearts and our minds, and our minds and our hearts to your word. For your glory we pray. Amen. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord will bless you in the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people, as he promised you on oath, if you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. Then all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, and the crops of your ground, in the land he swore to your forefathers to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head, not the tail. If you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day, and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today, to the right or to the left, following other gods or serving them. The second reading is taken from Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through to 34, and may be found on page 1031 in your Bible. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man was produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? 
This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and all these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Thanks, Jilly and Ellie. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Happy almost New Year. It's coming up. It's coming up. My name is Bernie. I'm the international's pastor at our church. Uh, It's amazing how popular this saying is, isn't it? God helps those who help themselves. Uh, Someone from 9am actually told me about how they saw a sign next to a security camera uh, in the shops, which said, God help you if you help yourself. How about that? I think about that, that statement, I think about that saying, and I think, I'm thinking about parents in Asian countries trying to persuade their children to actually try really hard and to work really hard. I mean, there's 20 million people that they've got to, they got to fight against, right? If you want to be someone, then son, you need to get off your bottom and start trying really hard because God helps those who help themselves, right? I'm trying to work out whether I can actually use the saying, uh, when you get to the last Tim Tam, when you get the last Tim Tam, or you take the last Tim Tam and you say, God helps those who help themselves. Uh, I'm not sure whether anyone's going to let me do that. Jay Leno from the uh, Tonight Show in America apparently went and... Uh, went for a wander down the streets and uh, approached total strangers and asked them which of the Ten Commandments they could remember, and that was their most frequent response. They thought they were, that, that, that was going to be in the Ten Commandments. Uh, and you think, hmm, the alternatives can't be true, could it? The alternatives can't be true. Uh, God helps those who couldn't be bothered. Oh, that can't be true. Uh, how about God prevents those who help themselves. No, that can't be true either. Uh, They actually did a survey in America, okay, did a proper survey, and found that 75% of Americans uh, actually thought that this was from the Bible. All right? God helps those who help themselves. It's so popular. The saying, it's because the saying really does sound 
like something that God would say. Now take, for example, our first Bible reading from Deuteronomy. Uh, if you've got your Bibles open, page 197, page 197, Deuteronomy 28. From verse 4, it says, The fruit of your womb will be blessed, and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. And the implication is that if God's people help themselves by sowing crops and tending livestock, then God will help them with abundance. And again in verse 8, the Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. You hear that? Put your hand to it. God will bless. Start helping yourselves because, verse 12, the Lord will open the heavens Uh, the storehouses of his bounty to send rain on your land in season and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. If God were speaking and writing in our context, he might say something like, the Lord will open the heavenly reserves, the treasury of his bounty to send subsidies and tax relief to bless all the work of your hands. It really sounds like God helps those who help themselves. But when we read the context of the Deuteronomy passage, what we see is actually a God who is far richer than what we might expect. You see, we see God give his people the land as a result of a promise that he had made to their forefathers in verse 11. It's a promise which had nothing to do with their working for it or their helping themselves. It came entirely from God's generosity and love. He rescued from them, he rescued them from an Egyptian slavery. Uh, can you imagine these, these Israelites in Egyptian slavery with chains on, having to do hard manual labor, uh, and God saying, Well, if you just if you just get out of your slavery, maybe I'll help you bring you to, the, to your land. Oh, he doesn't do that. He goes in, he rescues his people from the grips of slavery, brings them through the desert, feeds them, quenches their thirst, and despite their grumblings through the desert, he brings them to the land that he promises. See, the problem with our saying is that it, it makes out as if God was just interested in the work that we do. When actually, what God wanted most of all was that his people would not help themselves, but that they would entrust themselves to him who loves them, and who would rescue them, and who would provide for them, and if they would obey him and forsake all false gods, that he would continue to care for them. Now, we hear these from from verses like verse 1. If you fully obey the Lord your God... And carefully follow all his commands I give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. And again in verse 14. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. What we see is God wanting his people to be trusting him to be following him because, well, he loves them. 
So to say that God helps those who help themselves, well, it just doesn't quite capture it. Rather, it should be something like God blesses those who entrust themselves to him. It's more about how we relate to God. I remember in a water park uh, in Sydney, and uh, at that stage we had little toddlers, right? And so uh, we were there in this water park, and there was this really big wading pool. Okay, in a wading pool, it was about you know water up to my knees, and in the, in the middle of the wading pool there was a slide. Uh, so the kids can slide down in the pool, lots of fun, right? Uh, I was sitting there watching watching one of my little ones over here, making sure that he's okay. Then out of the corner of my eye, what I found, what I saw was another toddler. And what happened was that he had tripped over the slide, falling face first into the water. And, you know, you're thinking toddlers, their arms are little, right? Like he didn't know how to swim. Falls face first into the water, and he's struggling. Now, what do you do at that point? Maybe I should go over there and say, If you help yourself, I'll help you. Can you hear me? No, that'd be, that'd be outrageous, wouldn't it? No, no, no. I got there really quick, plucked him out of the water, and he's spitting water everywhere. And he's really relieved. And this is like, you know, right in front of the lifesaver who's just standing there smiling. And I'm thinking, I don't think you understand what you're supposed to be doing. I get this little boy, and I'm thinking, he had no, he had no hesitation when I said to him, how about you follow me whilst I go and find your mother? <laughs> Here is God, and he has done something even greater. He has rescued his people from the land of slavery when, when they were helpless, plucked them out of the land, rescued them so that they could breathe, bring them to the, to the land where he has promised. And these, his people, what he calls them to do is to follow, is to trust in him, is to see that he is their God and he will look after them. So whilst the saying, God helps those who help themselves, might sound like something God would say, God has shown himself to be far more rich, far more generous than that. Consider for a moment, what it would be like if the saying is true of God, uh, our parable uh, in Luke chapter 12 would sound very, very different. If you turn up to Luke 12, uh, page 1031, 1031 in your pew Bibles, Luke chapter 12, now I think if, if we rewrote that parable, uh, and perhaps we call the parable the parable of the bonus God, parable of the bonus God, it might sound something like this. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop, and he thought to himself, God helps those who help themselves. What shall I do? I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my grains and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you hardworking man, you. Not only will I prosper you with bigger barns, I will give you a bonus, because I am the bonus God. I will give you gold and silver. And enlarge your family as well. Life will be easier. Food will be sweeter. Drink will be plentiful. And merriment will be overflowing. Help yourself. And the bonus God would multiply your returns. It's kind of like having freaking flyer points. You know freaking flyer points? Anyone got a freaking flyer points card? 
You know, you kind of uh, you kind of purchase uh, particular things in the items, and you whip out your freaking flyers cards, and you go, Meep! double points, right? Can you imagine if God gave us a freaking fly card? I know some of you are thinking that actually be really good. Freaking fly card. Uh, I work that extra shift. Swap my card. Zip. Double points. Um, how about uh, I complete that master's course? You know, the master's course that took about three years to finish. Tap that card. Bing! Triple points. How about this? Christmas time, right? You served at every carol service and every Christmas service, even the 11 p.m. one. And I know that there was a kid's service at 10.30 and a normal one here, but I went to both and I served both. And... I actually managed to visit all my relatives on Christmas Day. Bing, 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 bing. Quintuple points. How would you be? You can, uh, you can uh, trade in your points for a trip to Hawaii. I get the feeling that this is the God whom our world expects. One who rewards those who work hard and give it a go, who don't depend on others when they could do it themselves. I learned a really key word when I moved over here from Malaysia, and the word is bludger. You don't want to be a bludger. You don't want to be depending on other people when you can be doing things yourself to provide for yourself. You know, that would make God, just like every other religious God, that demands that you prove yourself before they would accept you. But that's not how God is at all. That is not what God is like at all. Would you be happy with a God like that? Rather than one who acts before we can? Or a God who saves those who are helpless? I'm glad that he's not like that at all. And Jesus makes that very clear. What a surprise to hear the ending of Jesus' parable. The man who helped himself... He doesn't actually get praised. He doesn't get more help from God. Instead, his life is taken away and all his possessions, well, they go to waste. And we've got to ask, is God actually fair in doing what he did? It sounds very unlike Deuteronomy, right? Well, actually, it's very much in keeping with God's good character. Uh, Remember that what God wants of his people, most of all, is that while his saved people might trust in him, who might relate to him, and who might draw themselves to him and depend upon his gracious provisions, he wants his people to be walking in his good ways. What happens is that we get the impression that our rich man wasn't quite walking with God in this way. And so Jesus prefaces his parable with, verse 15, watch out, Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It sounds like our rich man had a preoccupation with greed and possessions. And the parable, it ends in verse 21. It says, This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. There is a reason why God didn't supersize this rich man's belongings. The rich man was only interested in himself, not others, and not even God. 
God wasn't going to help him. Instead, God was going to hold him to account. This man who had helped himself to very much in his life. It does ask the question, doesn't it? The question it asks us is, what grips us? What is it that grips us? Apparently, um, on Boxing Day, this is a bit of a tradition apparently, in the eastern states, at the very least anyway, uh, there, were, there was this group of people who started lining up in front of this, this store since 3 a.m. in the morning. They do this every year apparently. Only to find that when the doors opened, there were no discounts in the store. How would you be? You were there 3 in the morning, all, all bright and wishy tail got in, no discounts. Now, you would have thought that, you know, at that point, they would have just left in a huff, complained on social media, and that'd be it, right? But no, they actually all filed into the store anyway. It is pretty clear at this season, during this season, what is it that grips people during this time? But we've got to hear the sober warning from God, right? We've got to hear that sober warning that he gives us, that we really need to consider our mortality, that it is foolish to ignore that we have a limited number of days on this earth. In contrast, I'm so thankful uh, that we could share Christmas together because what I saw, and I've seen this in years gone by, every Christmas time where I've seen you open your, open your houses to people, <clears throat> where you, instead of going to the Boxing Day, decide to give away your things, whether it's your food, whether it's your drink, to those who don't have a home, or those who don't have a family, or those who don't have necessarily the biggest turkey in the world. But you shared, and you gave, and it is just a privilege to be part of this community. You've got to realize that this is different to the rest of the world all because we are amply blessed by the God who provides. God helps those who help themselves. I wonder if the reason why it's such a popular saying is because of a deep worry. It's a worry about whether your loved ones will make an effort to succeed. It's a worry about whether someone in need will actually give up trying to make things better for themselves. It's a worry of whether or not our means, our abilities are going to be enough. Well, what Jesus does in his second parable, he says, he draws our attention from our own means, from our own hands, and he draws our attention to God and his kingdom. The disciples, in a way, well, they decided to be rich toward God because they had given up their livelihoods and their possessions to follow Jesus. In a way, they were the opposite to the rich man. But Jesus picks up that they're, they're a little worried about their basic needs. I mean, wouldn't you be worried? You're following Jesus around. He's got no home. I don't think it ever mentions that he has any food even. Uh, you're following this Jesus around, and you might be a little worried that in your lunchbox there's nothing. And Jesus picks this up. And what he does is just to open their eyes to what he can just see so very clearly, but something that they just haven't grasped yet. He opens their eyes to the blessings of being part of God's kingdom and that they have gained so very much more than what they have given up. And he points 
he points out some examples, just like uh, Cam had it before in the kids' talk. He points some examples of how much God is involved with looking after his creation. He says, look at the ravens. Look up in the sky. Check out the ravens and the birds. They don't have barns like the rich man has, many barns, yet God feeds them. You look at the lilies. Look down. Look at the lilies and the grass and the fields. They don't help themselves and work. Yet God dresses them and grows them. The next time you're out for a walk, you've got to notice this. You really got to notice this. When you hear the when you hear the, the bird calling of the Adelaide Rosella, apparently that's a thing. The Adelaide Rosella. It's not that the early bird catches the worm. It's that the helpless bird gets fed worms by God. We live in the driest country, or driest state, in the driest continent on planet Earth. And yet what you find is that little daisies pop out and little grass pops out from the most unlikely of places. Why is that? It is because God is the one who provides the rain. God is the one who dresses the grass. And he makes this comparison and says, how much more valuable are you? How much more valuable are we compared to the grass, compared to the ravens in the sky? Do you not know how much God has cared for us and sustained us every single day that our eyes are open and even when they are closed? Let me ask you this. What did you have for breakfast today? Uh, Some of you might not have had breakfast. Had to sleep in. Some of you have been really, really, really healthy, right? So you had muesli and you had whole grain toast. Oh, maybe you splurged. Maybe you had bacon and eggs this morning or maybe baked beans with it. Have you ever tried fried rice for, uh, for breakfast? It's brilliant. I've just got to tell you. From what God is saying, we had our breakfast today because God fed us breakfast. Yeah, I know you buttered your toast. Yeah, I know you poured your milk. Yeah, I, I, I know that you kind of, uh, you know, made your, 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 your bacon and eggs, but you realize that God is the one who provided it for us. The mess on the bench, by the way, in the kitchen, that was all you. Nothing to do with God, right? Don't ever believe, don't ever believe in this God who is, you know, just just distant and mechanistic and uninvolved and uninterested. That is not our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father is one who is close and sustaining us. He is thoroughly involved in everything we do and loving, even to the details of the breakfast that we had this morning. Both the rich man and the disciples made Well, the same mistake. They ignored the fact that we stay alive because God is the one who provides and sustains. The disciples, though they had nothing in their lunchbox, though they had no roof over their heads as they followed Jesus, did you notice in the Gospels, did they ever go hungry? Were they not ever cared for by Jesus? God does more still. Remember that in Deuteronomy, God's people were rescued and brought into the land he promised. Uh, And it is in this land where God will abundantly bless them. Well, as Christians today, 
We are a people who've been rescued and brought into his kingdom, which he has promised. And again, God didn't help us who helped ourselves. Instead, we were helpless. We were thoroughly helpless. It says in Romans, it was at just the right time. You know when the right time was? At just the right time when we were still powerless. When we were still powerless, that Christ died for the ungodly. We were enemies of God because, well, we weren't rich towards God. We had rejected him. We had ignored him. And it was precisely when we were helpless that God provided us help in the person of Jesus. While we were still sinners. Not while we were still really good. Not while we were still helping ourselves. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God helped those who couldn't help themselves but sin. And friends, that's you and me. That is you and me. And so we entrust ourselves to Jesus. It is as part of God's kingdom where we are abundantly blessed. It is a blessing that we can experience now because if you trust in Jesus, we are part of God's kingdom already. We have treasure in heaven that will not be exhausted, verse 33, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. He blesses us also with our needs today. Verse 31, seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. And just as God expected his people to trust him, obey him and walk in his way, so he does now. He wants a people who will trust in him. He is really, really good at finding people who are unable and helpless and who aren't able to be spectacular and to be the someone. He is really good at finding the people like ourselves who just deserve nothing but death and condemnation to save. Because he loves to help those who can't help themselves. God blesses those who entrust themselves to Jesus. I wonder whether you've ever gotten a, a gift uh, wrapped with string. Uh, I, I'm not talking about you know the, the, the lovely ribbons that you find on boxes. Uh, I'm talking about the strings that sometimes people attach because they want something back for the gift they've given you. I don't know whether you've received a gift like that before. You kind of know it's there because you know they they you know that they've got some pressing need. A little later on. They'll want to kind of come to you later on and say, you know, I gave you that gift. Can you help me now? And sometimes I, I wonder whether or not people think Jesus is a bit like that. You know, I've got the kingdom. I've got this wonderful gift to give you, but there's strings attached. You think about it for a while. Jesus is God. He doesn't actually need anything from us. He doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need our offerings. He doesn't need our lives. He doesn't need our belongings. What's he going to do with a thousand iPhones anyway? He doesn't need it. It's quite the opposite, actually. He's the one who's giving. 
I mean, that's the great thing about Christmas, right? We, call, we talk about giving to each other and receiving. No, no, we celebrate the fact that God is the one who gives. And our greatest need, our greatest need that he gives to us is that we know Jesus and that we seek his kingdom. That's just the way Jesus is. He gives us the kingdom. No strings attached. No wonder Christians gather to worship him. In fact, the reason why we obey him isn't because, well, because of those strings. Because we need to earn the pleasure of our Lord Jesus. No, no, the reason why we walk in his ways is because Jesus, his kingdom, they are treasure to us. And I meet people here in our church all the time where for us, we would not give up this treasure for anything in this world. We've got this treasure. This is treasure that will last. This is treasure that won't go out of date, that will need an update, that will crack. This is treasure whom we have where God guarantees that it will last forever. How about that? Let's pray. Father, we give you great praise that at the end of 2017, Father, we can see your glorious provisions. Father, we have not gotten hungry. We have not gone without. Father, we thank you that you have provided. And Father, that you have also provided through us to those who don't have as much. Lord, you are just abounding, abounding in grace and provision. And Father, we thank you that you provide us with Jesus. Thank you that you know our greatest need. You know that we do worry, but Father, you have provided so much. You have helped those of us who are helpless. And Father, we give you praise because of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon. If you'd like to know more about who we are or what we believe, visit trinitycity.church.